podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Ross County arrived at Celtic Park on Saturday as one of the informed sides in the league, but a hat-trick from one of the informed players ensured they left Glasgow with nothing as a Georges Giacomacus-inspired Celtic ran out 4-0 winners on the day. We now head into the first international break of the year, having extended our domestic unbeaten streak to 31 games, and if Celtic can pick up this kind of form once they return, then we should end the season in a pretty good place. This is episode 62 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by Miff and Paddy to cover all things Celtic. Miff, Celtic continue to rack up the wins, how are you feeling with just seven league games left? Hello Tino, hello Paddy, hello guys, um, feeling good to be honest with you, uh, absolutely delighted that the form we've been shown and I think more importantly an upturn in the, the performance levels as well, players coming back to form, most notable I think being, being Jota in, in terms of his creativity and, and Giacomacchus getting the goals that his performances up to now have, have probably merited, so all in all feeling really good. Nice one. Uh, Paddy, you were there at the game obviously and you spoke to Ange and Carol Starfelt after the game yeah. were they in decent form? I, um, you know, just again um, there wasn't a, a huge deal of like taking their, their mind away from what what's still to come. Um, they were still fairly focused in what they were what, what what's what's lying ahead for us. Um, so it was it was good just kind of listening to them and um, a lot of the other questions that were getting asked. The answers were very good. Someone asked um, about the the potential of of obviously the treble, and they just all kind of seem fairly grounded on that um, and and kind of. What we've been talking about this one one game at a time approach seems to be at the forefront of everything. So no, it's uh, it's refreshing to see them focused the way they seem to be. Yeah, we'll get to it a wee bit later on uh, agenda wise. But Starfield's been called back into the the Sweden squad, which is a you know a big plus for him. Did you ask him about that directly? Was that your question? I did. I I did. Um, I basically when I, we were lucky enough to get to speak to him at the beginning of the season, one of the questions I'd asked was um, how he felt about the opportunity of possibly getting back into the team via playing with Celtic. And now one of the things that he did go on about and say about actually getting that call up was, you know, it's coming off the back of learning to deal with the pressure of playing with us. And I thought that was very interesting. So well, let's focus, first of all, eh, on that one v Ross County. There's several talking points, we'll get to them all. Um, but let's start with the man informed, Georges Giacomacchus. So if you're a man for your stats, I'm going to give you some. Bring it on. 12 goals for Celtic, all one-touch finishes. That's been kind of become a cliche isn't it that's, that's his thing all one touch finishes penalty box predator all that kind of stuff uh, 11 of those goals have come in 2022 8 of them are in his last 3 domestic starts so that's against Ross County Dundee United and Dundee uh, on the back of that he has now been recalled to the Greek national team for their friendlies they play Romania and Montenegro in the next week or so and he'll be looking to add to the 6 caps and 1 goal that he already has I read a very interesting thing, Paddy, in The Athletic. Again, it seems that I just read The Athletic and then regurgitate it here, but read a good article about how Andy's actually tweaked his system recently to, not to accommodate Giacomacchus, but to get the, the best out of him. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's various other stats doing the rounds and they're not all good, but they're interesting. So he's got the worst passing accuracy of any player on the Celtic side at this moment in time, 74%. And he's recorded the fewest passes in 90 minutes at 10, 10 passes in 90 minutes of any Celtic player this season. However, Andrew's recognised this and he's he's tweaked the the formation and the, and the system accordingly. He's now asked him not to get involved in the build-up play, or it seems that way anyway. He's no longer dropping short, he's no longer trying to play one-twos, he's no longer doing this back-to-go thing. And all he's doing 
and doing it very well is positioning himself between the posts and getting in, you know, really strong positions. If you have a chance to look at the article, it shows you some kind of screen grabs as well and it shows you exactly that. There was a great passage I played that you'll have clocked from the first half where Maeda's done a couple of back heel flicks. Hatati's found him the box. He's flicked it back off to O'Reilly. He's, you know, clipped it just by the post. It was a brilliant move, you know, really effective and it would have been a brilliant goal had we finished it. If you clock Jack Amakis at the time, however, he doesn't go anywhere near it. Yeah. All he does is stay between the posts and position himself. I think it's Yakaviti is the big number 16 for us, can he? And he just stays on his shoulder all the while. And as soon as O'Reilly clips a shot away, even though it's just by the post, he's ready for anything the keeper may or may not spill. And you can see the impact, Paddy, in these last few games with the returns he's bringing. Absolutely. With, with, with the goals that he's kind of been scoring, um, it's something that we've, we've noticed about him um, since he signed. He, he, he loves a near post run, um, but also the, the, the first goal, the other day, just the leap was unreal, you know, and it's just been committed to that area. Um, one thing you did, you mentioned, you know, about just kind of pulling, not not wanting to get involved with all the, basically the build-up play towards outside the box, anything like that. I actually thought he'd done okay with that. See the games like in January, the games against like Hearts, Hearts, uh, Hearts especially, Rangers, I, thought, I thought he ragdolled them. I thought there, there, is a, there is probably still a part for that to play, but maybe against teams where he is going to be more suited to be playing off the shoulder that works but especially against Hearts I thought I suit had no chance against him I, I think there'll, there'll be games where we need him to hold it up I, I think it's a needs must kind of thing so we've seen him do it at times when required I think it was a European game where he'd done it as well when you need to go and run down the clock yeah. when you're holding on to a narrow uh, one yeah. he's a man for that as well but I think just in its simplest form and now isn't asking to do things that he's just not very good at. And it's yeah. just playing to your strengths. You know, he's got Maeda doing his thing. He's got Jota doing his thing. And Jack Marcus focuses on, on what he's good at. The first goal epitomises it. So you see it. It's very clever again. Maeda makes that run at the front post. It makes the space. You know, you've got your strikers crossing over. And he gets right to the back post. And the leap is exceptional. Uh, I think it's a brilliant goal. I think it's been great. given enough credit. Absolutely. It's just, it's a typical big forwards goal. But he just makes it, I don't know. It's a very, very good cross in. Um, and he makes it just seem... Very easy just to direct it. it great finish. As much as I, I love the first goal, I actually preferred the second for Maeda's knockdown, I need to say, <laughs> which I know we'll go into in a bit more mm-hmm. depth, but I, I was absolutely... There's been wee flashes of what they could look like as a partnership in, in several games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that understanding just seems to be growing. I know it's a very obvious thing to say now uh, after the event, but it does seem <coughs> to be growing. And I think we have touched on it before. When I think it was a game at Motherwell, there was a few times when Jakimakis was that focal point up front, Maeda's yeah. pace coming off the left. The thought that I had in my head after watching the game Saturday was the potential for maybe even Kyogo on the right. I, I mean, it will remain to be seen what he does with Kyogo coming back, but I, we've seen him experiment with Kyogo in wide positions. The last time he played against Rangers, it did not work at no. all. And I've been very loath to see Kyogo moved anywhere out with the centre. Listen, we've not had that problem so far with Maeda, Kyogo, Jakimakis, Jota, even Forrest, Abada, all available. So we'll find out soon enough, you know, touch wood when Kyogo comes back. But it will be it's a great problem to have and all that kind of stuff. But it'll be very interesting to see what Ange actually goes with. What I thought was very interesting and just kind of come back to that game against Motherwell was Maeda found himself more, more far out in the left. Whereas now kind of possibly with that tweet that you're talking about, you know, he's... He's coming in more. He's almost playing like an inside forward, just um, just in next to Jack and Marcus. Yep. And then you watch Jota on Saturday. Stevie covered it in the match report. He's all over. Mm-hmm. He's he's he's, he's run, ran about everywhere and just getting all these positions and able to get that cross in for for the first goal. I just thought, I just thought some of the play from the front three yesterday that 
Ross County didn't know how to handle them. I think that's really noticeable, and I think the, the credit there has to go to Ange because the, the rigid system was running into a bit of, you know, a bit of heavy traffic, yeah. um, especially in home games mm-hmm. when, when teams were defending so deep and in, in numbers. And I think we a bit more fluid movement between the, the front three, or certainly the two wide guys playing off Shakamakis. It gives a different problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the way teams were setting up against us, you could actually probably write down what the pattern of play would be for the first half. And if Celtic didn't get an early goal, it would grow more frustrating. You know, defence becomes more resolute and there'll be eight bodies within that, you know, within the two posts. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes so congested and so hard to, to create clear-cut chances. I think the key about Saturday was that not only was Jackie Maxi's first goal an excellent goal and the type of movement we've not really seen too often at home this season was it came early as well. Yeah. And that really is the key. Um, because don't don't forget... In, in the games that we've played against um, County and Livingston, both of them have been the foreign teams in the league when yeah. we've met them. You know, it's yeah. normal you would look at those games and think, oh, Celtic should be winning, of course, but um, County in particular have been absolutely fine. We've, yeah. You've even seen what the projected table from, was it? I think it's the over the last 20 games, Aye. out with Celtic and Rangers, County absolutely were the foreign team and, yeah. and pretty exceptional format that. So, you know, they came there, you know, in a real, you know, Run a form. Aye, aye, they've definitely been playing well. Um, you've kept kind of kept an eye on their, their rise. Even I'd probably say since they played us um, when we get that um, 120th minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Winner. Um, but no, I just I thought they were. Uh, that's kind of what you want to come up against at Celtic Park as a team. It's maybe just going to be a wee bit more adventurous, take a few more risks because we're good enough and quick enough on a better surface just to pick them apart. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. thought we could have scored a lot more yeah. um, on Saturday, but they just seem to take the foot off the gas, which. They're allowed to do it for now. Yeah, they are. If you'd mentioned Jota and his, you know, continuing return to form, Paddy, you're right with the first goal. Jota started the game out wide right, but I think a couple of times I noticed it in the first half when he's out on the left taking corners. For a few minutes, he just decides to stay left, and that's fine. My head will stay right for a time, and it's that move which is allowed for the first goal. He's got exceptionally quick feet, you know, mm. just very difficult for a fullback at any stage. And he just finds that space to bring out his feet and, and he clips it round to uh, the back post where Jack Amakis is there to finish. But how important is it for Celtic that Jota continues to rediscover this form for the remaining seven games now? Well, I think it's it's important because he is the, the hub of our creativity. You, you look at the, the guys that are central in midfield and, and of course they do create, but... It was noticeable that when Jota had a bit of a lull, it seemed the rest of the team did in, in the attacking sense. But Jota, for me, is just absolutely pivotal. And I think he, he plays with a certain enthusiasm. I think the rest of the team really, really feed off it. And certainly the fans do as well. When you see him in full flow, when you see him taking people on, it's just an absolute joy to watch. And he, he is an entertainer. So the more that he feels confident to do that, I think the better, the better effect it has on the team and on the fans. Um, I think that was really, really noticeable at Livingston. Um, that you know the fans really got behind the team that day, and and Jota really responded to it. He, he went at the fullback so many times early on, get by him a few times, and that really lifted the crowd. So you know what it's like when there's a player and that there's that buzz when they get the ball. Jota is one of those players. Yeah, he was actually involved directly or indirectly, Paddy, with the first three goals. Mm-hmm. So cross for the first one. For the second one, he's put out to Juranovic, who's crossed it. And for the third one, he's hit the corner, which has led to the goal. So he's heavily involved there, um, you know, in, in making a huge difference. One word answer from each of you then. If you can only get Jota or Carter Vickers, who do you take? One word. Well, I can't answer Carter Vickers in because that's two. One name answer, please. Eh. 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 Oh. Jota. Cat Vickers. 
Jota all day long. Aye. Jota, absolutely. How come? I just think these are the kind of guys that you love football for. And I think Carter Vickers is very much appreciated in terms of what he's doing and the fans love him. And he would also be very hard to replace because he's just come in with the, the minimum of fuss this season. But Jota is the guy you love to see, isn't it? And it's maybe, you know, you won't know what you've got till it's gone. If Carter Vickers moves out and all of a sudden we start to leak goals again, maybe you'd revise that. But Jota's just... Bearing so in mind, I'm signing both of them. You made me choose one. Uh, That's right, the only reason I've chosen one. Them both. I'm signing both of them. We mate. get the two of them, absolutely. <laughs> but did you not quote uh, Alex Ferguson earlier on this? Did I? This season. Probably. About the best form of attack is defence. Aye, that's true. I mean, there's a lot to be said for what we're doing. I, I actually think at, at times as well, th- there is not enough credit going to Celtic's backline for this phenomenal record. They've yeah. only conceded, I, I, I think I repeat it every week now, but they've only conceded still, at, you know, at time of recording, four league goals all season. It, it's nearly April. At Celtic Park. Yeah, aye, Celtic aye, Park. Aye, so aye. four league goals. Uh, it's another clean sheet there on, on Saturday. Is it 18 conceded over the piece? I think, I think it so. is. Of 31 games. That, that's frightening form and that's what gives the platform to allow Jota to do his thing so it's all hypothetical isn't it you know Jota does his thing Carter Vickers does his thing mm-hmm. and as a combination it's great for Celtic but just from a, an attacking point of view I cannot wait for him and Kyogo to be reunited again <laughs> I, I, those two need each other and I need to see it Miff. well I, I, I just can't wait for Kyogo to come back because I think the the team that he's coming back into compared to the team that he exited from um, especially when you consider the particular 11 that was on the part of the St Johnson and he, he got injured mm-hmm. um, he pretty much single-handedly won as the, the League Cup final and there wouldn't really be a title race if it wasn't for him I think that's fair to say yeah. um, he, he carried a huge burden at the start of the season and that's gave the team the platform to go on the run that they've, they've went on so it's just exciting to see him come back into that team a team that's full of confidence that's been used to playing with each other and just to see how he slots in where he slots in like I said it'll, it'll be interesting to see but maybe get a wee feeling he might, he might play off the right that's, that's just my own thoughts because mm. I think there is something kind of building between Giacomacchus and Maeda at the moment there definitely is um, on that then so Maeda some some mixed responses in recent weeks from fans there's no doubt his work rate there's never been any doubt on his work rate he really puts in a shift did you see the clip I think it was in the 90th minute on Saturday in a game you're winning 4-0 and you're home and hosed and he is bombing after the right back and bombing towards the goalie. And he looked as fresh as he did in the first minute, which makes actually a wee bit surprising that he's since withdrawn from the Japan squad. You'll have seen that news today. That's tactical. I, I think so. I mean, 100%. he's withdrawing the news. I think they've said he's, his condition is poor. That may be a wee bit lost in translation because his condition is clearly good, but maybe there's a bit of fatigue set in. It might be the player himself. He may have asked for a rest. He's obviously made a big move to a whole new country and you know, there may be a wee bit more to that. Well, I think if you look at it, the, the Japanese season was just coming to its close as well. So I, I think you need to be realistic in what, what we're asking. The likes of Hitati Maeda and maybe at least Riguchi because he's, he's not been playing yeah. as regularly. But, you know, if you've done a full season and you come in, it's going to be difficult. But with Maeda, maybe just a, a kind of understanding of what's at stake domestically here as well and what he's part mm-hmm. of. There, there could be numerous reasons for it, but maybe Big Angie's just pulled rank. Is he maybe just trying to settle a bit more as well? Like you kind of say, a new country. I've seen someone talk about this on Twitter. It's possibly a good thing, I know, like for, for us as fans, obviously, it's the loan with the option to buy. Yep. Um, so is he maybe actually just having a wee think about things and try to put things in place for that to happen? Because it is a big move. It's a huge move. He's barely had time to breathe, you know, let alone put his, his life in order. You know, it's, it's frantic stuff. It's two games a week and it has been since he came in the door. Only now is he getting a wee window just to 
just maybe but just sort out some life admin. Got, myth. Got get, a, get a card insurance sorted, pays exactly. council tax. Walked walk down the Clyde. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All of that kind of stuff. And I think what Japan are, they play Vietnam, who are bottom of the group. They also play Australia. And they also play they Australia. Do, which is a crucial game. I think Japan are second in the group, uh, Australia third. So there's there's quite a lot to play for. It's not, a, it's not a given. So I thought it was quite interesting that they've allowed them not to feature. Is it not though if they beat Vietnam, that's it? They're through? I think it's Australia first though. I'm, right. not, I'm not totally sure on that. Again, should really check it's, these things, shouldn't we, Yeah, we should, but it's also not, it's, it's not our World Cup qualifiers. No. <laughs> uh, Hatati does go, listen, we'll get into international stuff in a wee bit, but Hatati does go and there's a chance for him to make his first start for the, the Japan international team, so that'd be interesting. I hope he does. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely. It's good for him and good for his confidence. Um, but in terms of, you know, coming back to Celtic stuff, you know, we've debated there about Jack and Marcus, the form he's in, Maeda off the left, different things. Kyogo's made some very positive noises. Um, I think it was speaking to the media back home in Japan, but he's made some very positive noises, as has Ange, and it sounds like he's very close to a return. Straight out, Muff, you know, obviously you've mentioned the possibility of him going wide right or whatever, but if it's a straight shootout for you between him or Jack Amakis through the middle, who would you go with? Oh, I was wanting to talk more about the Asian Pacific um, qualifiers, firstly. <laughs> you got some knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, right, I'll move on. Um, God, you're posing these difficult questions right to Listen, a guy like you should be able to handle this. Well, I, I think you need to look at it from the point of view that if Jack Amakis is informed, then Kyogo's got to be kind of brought back in right. gently and also earn the right to be in the team because, like I said, the team's evolved since he was in it. He was the focal point. There was there was a time when no Kyogo meant no points <laughs> for Celtic, or right. certainly certainly no victory. But like like anything else in, in life, I don't I don't think we we disrupt the team for the sake of. Just one person, as special as he is. I think he just has to be brought back in gently and see how he fits into this slightly amended front line. Like I say, my belief is that there will be room for both of them in the starting lineup. Um, given that Abada has been excellent over the piece, but has maybe suffered from a little dip more recently. Forrest seems to be coming back more like himself, but may actually be better as an impact mm-hmm. sub at this moment in time rather than somebody to play for the 90s. So... I think that tees things up for Kyogo to come in and play off the right. You know he's going to put a shift in. You know he's going to do the, the closing down, much in the vein of, of Maeda. And I think having sort of option coming off the right, shot off the left. But I think I think that might be the way that he goes. No Maeda? Again, I think Maeda can, is someone who can be brought in and out. But much like, I think it would actually be Kyogo and Maeda swapping over more than, than Maeda and Jota. But that's just what I've got, got in my head. I don't quite know why. Um, <laughs> I think Jacques is what we've been crying out for though in terms of a focal point and a physical presence. I'm not saying for one minute that Kyogo shouldn't come straight back into the team or that he shouldn't play through the middle. Through the middle is clearly his best position. But I think we may now be in a position where we have to kind of accommodate Jacques because if he scored two hat-tricks in a row and you're you're playing playing that playing at that level, um, it could very quickly disappear if you drop out of the team, even if it is under the guise of arrest. Yeah, I mean, Paddy... Ange more often than not starts Maeda mm. when he's available he starts games he's he's featured off the bench very few times he starts games and has done since he came in uh, so I would expect Maeda would start Jota must start because he's Jota mm-hmm. and then it's for me as it's just that straight show between Jack and Marcus and Kyogo I'm not entirely worried about who's going to cement this starting space though because you're, you're kind of looking at it it's potentially nine games left this season in all comps right you're looking at your, the variation. You want that rotation to keep things fresh. We're obviously hopefully going to get a bit, bit more of a break in between games. But I think there's a couple. Of, there's normally a midweek game with a split. So for me, actually, it's not a bad position to be in in order to just look at possibly each game. We give an hour 
to a game plan and then freshen it up and we try a totally different setup as well. I don't think these boys will mind being rotated for the remainder of these games for the season. I don't think it's a huge, huge issue that we have. I think Ange has managed the squad in such a way mm. that guys are, happy is not the word, but they're willing to play their part on and off the bench. The, the greatest example at the moment is Juranovic and Ralston, who both seem to just slot in and out just now with minimum fuss, yeah. You know, none of them seem to be, you know, throwing the toys at the, out the pram. They just seem to be getting on with it and playing the role. And Ange is clever as well, just in terms of how he uses his subs. Even, for example, against Dundee United last Monday, about 15 minutes to go, he's, he's rang the changes and he could have brought various guys into the midfield. He's brought James McCarthy in. Now, I don't think James was going to have a great impact on that game the way it was going, but it keeps James McCarthy quite happy, I think. You know, it's that kind of management where he's saying, okay, there's a bit of game time there, there's a bit of game time there. Mm-hmm. And if guys come in and start to really impress and, you know, make themselves undroppable, that's a different challenge for Ange. But he just seems to have this knack for the man management myth and he seems to have a very harmonious squad at this moment well it's always the same when you're winning you know if you're, if you're winning games it's a happy squad it's happy fans well most of the time still find some things to moan about but for, for me you know the whole McCarthy thing's odd I'm on record as saying that for a, for a very long time but McCarthy is, is someone again whose experience will be vital in, in the running so right. if you've got him in the squad and happy it's going to have a positive impact on the team you could say the same for Beaton as well, you know, Beaton has come in at different times this season and, and filled in well on most occasions, mm-hmm. if not all, certainly not all. So that that is the key. What we what we all know is that the way the manager wants the team to play is very demanding. And I think that's why he always references his second season has been more important than the first, is because the guys that are there and will remain there, we hope that'll probably be about seventy to eight percent of that squad, um, now know what's asked of them so when they go and they prepare in pre-season they're, they're going to prepare with that in mind um, all the guys would have prepared this pre-season not having a clue who the manager was full stop aye, aye. so it's a very different and cohesive um, summer we hope <laughs> where there's got to be some strengthening but also more importantly the existing players know exactly what's demanded of them yeah. what's required and Ange will already have made his mind up on who that's going to be and who doesn't fit with that they'll be the natural sort of Turnover of squad members as there always as people go, people come in. But that for me is the most solid foundation for the squad is they know what is demanded of them now, week in, week out, and the standards that they maintain in terms of their fitness but also their, their performance. So how Ange manages a squad for the rest of the season, I doubt will change. Mm-hmm. But to re- go back and reference the Kyogo point, I think he'll come in for some games, he'll he'll come off the bench for others, especially given how how much football he's missed. Yeah. Yeah, and on that note, Paddy, it's you know it's maybe you know it's one we'll speak about in more detail in the the weeks and months ahead. But it makes for an exciting summer, doesn't it? In terms of how this squad then evolves to you know Ange version two point and, and Celtic version two point under Ange because it's already pretty exciting. Apart from all his skills in terms of man management and his tactical approach, his eye for a player, and he's clearly been heavily involved in the majority of signings. Maybe not the McCarthy one, but the majority of signings. His eye for a player is ultimately what's got us to where we are because you can have a system that you want to play, but if you don't have the players to do it, you're snookered. He's clearly brought guys in for key positions. You know, Maeda, you know, being very much an Ange signing, mm-hmm. Kyogo, Starfelt's come in done a solid job. Again, he's maybe up for debate whether he's one of his guys, but Juranovic, various guys have slotted in and it could be really exciting in terms of how this team evolves in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's coming back to what we've said. If, if we go and win this league, which... I, I think that that is the goal, 100% for this team. It gives us an incredible summer. It really does, because it, it, it gets to look at things a lot closer again. He's been able to get a team ready to fight for this. And actually, I'm, I'm 
Look, we're talking about the summer, but I actually think about these two weeks ahead with international break. And obviously, I think we lose about nine players, first team players over this break. But if you're the rest uh, are, are going to be at Lennox Town, yes, probably they'll get their, their time off at the moment. But I even seen just the, the thinking from Ange about uh, this potentially a bounce game getting set up during it, just to keep these guys on their toes. Because if everyone is singing for the same hymn sheet and it's coming in at the run-in, you want everyone supporting each other. You want the atmosphere within the training uh, the training ground just to be harmonious that everyone knows that what what they're, they're pushing for and I think that like even the likes of McGregor going on Scottish international duty that's when the likes of like Beaton welcoming or the experience of someone like McCarthy that's been part of strong strong teams even the likes of Scott Bain and, and Joe Hart they'll have their part to play in order just to make everyone know what is coming up what the remainder of this season entails I think we're in a very very strong position Andy said similar party in terms of he says the training intensity is as high as it's been since he came in part of that of course is having all these guys available to him mm-hmm. you know minus Keogh I don't think there's many injury no. worries which is great to see uh, he quoted James Forrest or mentioned James Forrest in some quotes across the weekend James Forrest isn't playing much for Celtic just now he was injured for the weekend but he says his levels are extremely high yeah. and that's you know having a knock on effect on the rest of the squad and you know yourself, Muffin, you know, we speak at different times, we've all been in football at different levels at times over the years, but just having that competitive spirit in the dressing room, knowing that there's somebody there behind you if you're not playing well, you see it happening at all levels of football now, and if, you know, under Neil Lennon last season, the same guy started all the time, whether you, you were good, bad or different, and we got what we got. Now you've got this whole thing where even Jack Amakis scoring a hat-trick couldn't guarantee he starts the next game, for example, and it's just a really, really healthy position to be in. Um, what we'll do before we move on from the Ross County game, we of course need to discuss the, the red card incident. Uh, we'll shortly be speaking to Des Roach. He's an ex-grade one referee. Des is from the Get Involved Ref podcast. We'll catch him in just a second, but I'm keen to hear what you lads think about it first before we go to it, uh, Des. So is it a red card for you, Paddy? So just the momentum considered, isn't it? Um, straight leg from the player. He wins the ball, but it's the follow through. Um, I thought it was very dangerous. So on that for me, yeah, I would say it was a red. Yeah, the player you've mentioned that I should have mentioned is Kane Ramsey. So mm-hmm. he's on loan at uh, Ross County from Southampton. Young guy, 21 years of age. What do you think, Muff? You've got a slightly different opinion, I think. I, I didn't think it was, it was a robust tackle, but I didn't think it was a red. What do you think of the follow through? So he definitely catches the ball, right? That's mm-hmm. quite clear to see. But it's the, it is the follow through. He doesn't have to go to ground for me. So why does he go to ground? to get a bit more force into it, maybe. And the very fact that Tom Rodgers lasts, what, four or five minutes more and then goes off injured tells you there's been contact with, you know, somewhere along the lines. You could hear it for the North Upper as well. Honestly, you could hear the, the connection. Um, I don't know if it's been his shin guard he's caught or what, but you could actually hear the third day and that wasn't the ball getting hit. Um, I, I, for me, it's a, it's a definite red. But I think all in all, it's pretty dangerous. So let's hear what Des has got to say. Hi Des, it's Tino here from the Celtic Exchange. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Des, I've also got Paddy and Miff here on the show. So yeah, um, as I'd mentioned, we're really keen to get your own thoughts as an ex-grade one official on a couple of things at the moment, but definitely the, the Kane Ramsey sending off from the weekend. So what's your, your general take on that one? Uh, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for, thanks for um, reaching out. Uh, my thoughts haven't changed from what I originally seen. I think that it was a, a legitimate tackle that he was entitled to go for. I know people are saying is it over-aggressive, excessive force. It wasn't. You can't hold back if you're going to go for a challenge. And I'm sorry, but as much as um, the player's been injured and had to go off, you can't you can't change the parameters of a, of a sanction due to an injury on a player. It's a contact sport, as, as we've said. I, I'll say it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. To me, it was a very legitimate, robust challenge. Very robust, but within the laws. 
We've got, uh, you can't see him, Des, but we've got Miff nodding along here. Uh, so he definitely, does. I think he used the word robust as well. Myself and Paddy, uh, we're different. I, I think I think the word excessive force, you know, we hear it a lot. That's that's where it's at for me. I don't think the guy needs to go to ground. I think going to ground puts more force on a tackle. And I think ultimately, you know, however the guy's approach to tackle, it's led to Tom Rogic being injured. And surely we should be looking to to outlaw this from the game. Miff, what's your own take on it, you know, for Des's benefit? Just, just that, that's pretty much how I've seen it. It's a... It is a robust tackle. It's a strong tackle, but I don't. I don't think he's he's done anything wrong, really. Just he, he has followed through, kind of natural. I don't think he's put us I don't think he's went to do him as would be the old <laughs> phrase you would use. I don't think he's went to do him. Is my opinion. I think Des for me, it's the kind of tackle where, as a fan over the years, you love to see it. I know you guys uh, referenced the the tackle by Simunovic on Kenny Miller a number of years ago, and as a fan, you love to see that. But it's something that I think the game is trying to outlaw and. I just wonder if the modern game allows for those kind of tackles. I mean, out with the you know the letter of the law and all that kind of stuff. Do you think it's the kind of tackle that that should be accommodated in the modern game? I think the the modern game is certainly more sanitised. It's probably a, a an easy way to to say it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just old school. Or maybe I'm just old. But <laughs> if you're going to go for a if you're going to go for a challenge, and I think I referenced it the other evening. I was always taught if you're going for a tackle. Go in with everything you've got because if you don't, if you hold back, potentially you're the one yeah. who's going to be hurt. But yes, I I can I can see it, and I think we've used the expression over through gritted teeth and go. I can maybe understand why people are looking for a red card for it. But as I say, I'll stand by my by my initial decision. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a good old fashioned hard tackle. It was instinctive. He's went for the ball. He's won the ball. He's taken everything with him. But yeah, I'm 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 quite happy to put my name in that, and whether I'm vilified for it, well, I've been vilified for worse. So, but uh, yeah, I'll take that, and I know it's always a, a Celtic podcast, but I, I just there's not it's not a red card for me. Okay, what about um just as we kind of finish in this wee section, Des? I, I think you know he definitely gets the ball. We've all agreed he he gets the ball with his right foot, but the trailing leg seems to cause the damage, and that seems to be what's caused Rodgers' injury. So he has won the ball cleanly. It's the follow through for me And it used to be back in the day Got the ball ref And that was fine You know you can clean out Whoever you want As long as you got to the ball first And I just think it's changed from that Does that change your thinking at all That the trailing leg Seems to have caused the damage I don't think What else could they have done With the trailing leg Nothing is, is the answer But Yeah But ultimately it's what's caused the damage I think it's the force that he goes into which means at that point he's out of control with the, the trailing legs. I mean, that, that's where I'm at. But it's interesting, Des, because, you know, the three of us are sitting here absolutely Celtic-minded and we can't agree on it. So it just shows that it's definitely not a, a you know, a cut and dried case. I tell you what we'll do, well, we've got you on, and it is a Celtic podcast, but I'd be really interested to hear your take on the, the Morelos penalty, Morelos winning the penalty against Dundee yesterday. That's as soft as I've ever seen in my entire life watching football. I, I, I really could not get it. But again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. It's not a penalty. It's not. It's not a foul. I would say it was a. It was a tussle. Both players were having a wee, having a wee dance with each other. They're pulling each other. They're pushing each other. The, the ball's going away. Morelos has obviously jumped straight up and claiming for a penalty. It's clever for Morelos. Happened in, it was clever. It was clever. I, I, I just don't know why Bobby's jumped in there. If that happened in the middle of the park, as play was proceeding, you'd be running by the time saying don't be so bloody stupid and just go on with it. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's want to cuddle that much, just book a room. There is nothing in it. I, I can't understand why. And Bobby is a very, very good referee. He has been there for a number of years. He's probably our top 
referee at this moment in time, which again I've referenced previously. I, I, I can't I can't back him up on that one. Yeah. I feel a bit unwell here, Des, because Paddy's praising Morelos saying it's very clever. I'm not uh, praising him, don't worry. <laughs> you're saying the praises of Bobby, which wouldn't be something we would do often, but fair points, I suppose. I just think that um, the two of them are definitely at it, and if anything, Morelos fills the Dundee defender first. And you're right, though, I think anywhere else in the middle of the park, you just skip by it, it's a nothing incident. And I think for a penalty, you, you can tell me your own thoughts on this, Des, from experience, but for a penalty, you need to be 100% sure. You can't be... 90, 95, even 99%. You need to be 100% sure. And I'm just not sure how accurate Bobby can be there, Bobby Madden, uh, you know, having seen that incident. If Bobby's given it, he's obviously convinced in his own mind that there's been there's been there. I agree that Morelos initiated the contact, Jordan McGee, but when I was back doing it, it was always one of those ones, see if you're given such a major decision, you've got to sell it. You know, you're not selling it just to the players, you're selling it to the crowd so that nobody could have any dubiety that, oh, what's going on there? I think there's lots of dubiety and the fact that we're still talking about it after 24 hours and you've seen comments in media, you've seen comments in, in the newspapers, etc. It's not a penalty. And if there is any any point of dubiety, I still say to my assistants, if you're putting in a, a flag up or if you're getting me involved, don't tell me you think something. Tell me you know mm-hmm. something. If you think, then there's obviously that hesitation. You can't have hesitation when you're giving a penalty kick. Particularly yeah. not not for something like that you're going, all you're going to do is you're going to feel the guys going back to the pub to have a, to have a chat about it and evidently that's what we're doing just now Yeah I think so and interesting to hear that Des that you know, you'd be looking for that support from your, your linesmen and fourth officials and you know different guys that are there to support the referee ultimately so an interesting take Last question well we've got you Des uh, just a more general one at this moment in time so every week at this moment in time you know the talk on Sky Sports and otherwise is, is VAR and how much this is going to revolutionise the game here just very generally is it something you're in favour of and do you think it'll help us or help the refs get more right than wrong? I think um, the best way to say it is anything that can help referees in football in general get the right decisions and the right results on the pitch has got to be a benefit. That's what we all want. We, we don't want, oh, is it, is it this, is it not? No, if you, if you can see pictures and get it right, then absolutely. And also, Scotland is now one of the top 10 leagues in Europe. Why are we not using it when every other, other league's using it? If we can get it, but it's got to be used in the right manner. It's got to be there for crucial decisions. And the word clear and obvious are the ones that are being reverberated around all the time. Mm-hmm. But yes, I am in favour of it, but only if it's done right. And it can only be done right if they get the correct education and correct training and the, the edicts from FIFA and UEFA are passed down the way in the correct manner. Yeah. So yes, I'm all for it, but it has to be done in the right way. Yeah, totally agree. And it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out and when it comes in in Scottish football. Des, thanks uh, from myself and the rest of the guys here. It's really appreciated. Not a problem at all. Glad to join you guys. Hope you are all well. Cheers, Cheers Des. Thank thanks, you. Man. So thanks to Des for joining us here. You can hear more from Des every week on the Get Involved Ref podcast. So, I mean, all pretty interesting stuff, Miff. What did you think? The issue I've got with, with VAR is I've seen a couple of things over the past two weeks where it's just still open to debate. I think it does help to a degree, but I don't know if you've seen the, I think it was Jacob Murphy uh, against Chelsea, but he's clearly getting hauled down, he's clearly getting hauled down the box and it's went to VAR and I've said no. Just, it's still just a blatant penalty, it's just outright not being given and then uh, Diogo Jota's goal against Notts Forest. One angle he's at the back post, he looks offside, the other angle they've just kind of like straightened up the camera angle, drew the line across and went, oh no, he's onside. And it seems to be starting for like, different points of the body and all that. I, I just, 
I just think, put into the context of Scottish football, it's a, it's an absolute recipe for disaster. Oh, uh, man, it's cat amongst the pigeons. We've not even goal line technology yet. <laughs> that, one, one thing at a time, man. I think at the end of the day, whether you bring in VAR or not, and listen, Scotland need to bring in VAR because you're going to get left behind. Not not just the referees themselves, by the way, who mm-hmm. won't get the the Euros and the World Cup gigs and the Champions League nights. Just to the game in general, if the rest of Europe's, you know, moving forward, and Des mentioned Scotland being, you know, amongst the top 10 countries in Europe, you know, the winner this season will qualify for Champions League, as we know. You need to move at the time. So whether you like VAR or not, you've got to go with it. But at the end of the day, whether you've got VAR officials making the call or just the single official, official during the game, it's always just down to one guy's interpretation. So whether it's Bobby Madden making a call or three Bobby Maddens in a van, perish the thought, <laughs> three Bobby Maddens uh, making a call in a, in a VAR van or however this is going to work. Yes, some port of cabin outside the stadium, I don't know how it goes. It's going to be somebody's call. Somebody will decide, listen, yeah, I've got all the replays. Nah, no PK for me. And you'll just get more uproar, except it'll just take you two and a half minutes to get upset than, than instantaneously. So I don't think it's the, the, the be-all and end-all solution that a lot of people think it is, but time will tell as we move forward. Anyway, moving on from that, Paddy, obviously you've mentioned the fact that a lot of our guys are on international duty uh, over the next week or so. Um, there's a, a fair host of uh, first-teamers, so McGregor and Greg Taylor go with Scotland. Near Beaton with Israel and Abada with Israel under 21s. Jack Amakis back in the Greek squad, so great for him. Juranovic, Croatian uh, right back, as we know. Hatati has the chance to get his first cap for Japan. Two big games we've mentioned, so Australia and Vietnam. And if they come through them, they should be good to go for the World Cup. Thank you. Starfelt is involved in a huge couple of games. So he's he's only got four caps, I think, for Sweden. This is his recall of the team. And as we mentioned, you spoke to him after the game on Saturday. They've got a playoff on Thursday, I think it is, against the Czech Republic. And if they win that, it's a shootout with Poland to see who makes the World Cup. So huge games there. And people often criticise international football. And obviously, for us, I think, particularly being a Scotland fan over the years, your be-all and end-all is Celtic and how Celtic are doing. And the big concern is that, yep, guys go away on international duty, but the main hope is that they don't go and get themselves injured. Some people, you know, give it the chat at this time of year, just scrap international football, it's, it's no use to us and all that stuff, particularly if somebody comes back with an injury. But I think, and I'd be keen to hear what you lads think, I think if you're a professional footballer, it's the biggest honour in the game representing your country and I think it's only got to be a good thing for guys like Hatati and, and Starfelt and others that I've mentioned there you know it's a real source of pride to go and represent your country isn't it? As a footballer yes as a fan I'm totally of the opinion get rid of it <laughs> No tartan army for no you Paddy? Have absolutely no chance No What no. do you think Muff? Yeah I've got my, my Timbies and my Jimmy wig locked up <laughs> <laughs> You get a kilt on under that desk? Pretty much. Pretty, no, legs are too short for a kilt, you know. Yeah, but what do you think about it? I mean... I know, I love international football. You do? I like the tournaments. That's it. I, I think if you look at last year, say somebody like um, somebody like Callum McGregor, his level of performance for Scotland was considerably better than, than it was for Celtic, albeit there were mitigating circumstances for that. That would be a, a case in point as to, to somebody who's clearly very proud to play for his national team. For the fans, I agree with what Paddy says, everybody becomes very parochial in terms of they just want their own team to do well, they're not too interested in stuff that goes on outside that bubble, and I get that and understand it, more so since international football seems to have been devalued just by the amount of money that's on display within club football, um, the kind of growing in popularity of the Champions League, that that's pretty much the be-all and end-all in the stage that you need to be on, probably more so in the World Cup, if if we're being honest, whereas when when I was younger, quite some time ago the World Cup coming round just was the, the big deal so 
the balance of power in football's changed in, in that sense. But I think it's then incumbent on the fans that do care about international football t- to show that they do. Um, more recently, I, t- I took took the boys to the Denmark game and, and they absolutely loved it. And what kind of the boys have kind of got that for me in terms of still supporting Scotland. They, they see it as a big deal supporting mm-hmm. Scotland. Um, so, I all day long for me, I, I love the fact that I'm both a Celtic and a Scotland fan. Although again, some of my mates are just not having. How can you support somebody or support a, a team that's got a Rangers player on the team, for example? A few of my mates are that are that black and white. I, I don't really see all that. Yeah, I mean, Paddy, you've mentioned that as a fan, it's it's not for you, mm-hmm. but. Going back to it from a playing sense, you can see how... Did you play for Scotland? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Ten caps. Big Ten caps. Ten caps. But Many you goals. can see... Yeah. Many goals. Oh, He's t- a goalkeeper. Well, I let 50 in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the cat. Um, but from a playing point of view, you can see what a lift this would give. Yeah, Rio Hattati is going to go out there. He'll be buzzing right now at the prospect of helping his nation qualify for a World Cup finals. Yep. Same as Starfield. Aye. He'll be high as a kite at this moment in time. And that's got to be good. And also, Ange has been asked several times, obviously as a former international manager, He's all for it. You know, a lot of coaches at this moment in time will bemoan the fact that they're losing players to international and, you know, they might get injured or they might be fatigued or whatever. He's the opposite. He says it's the highest honour in the game. And I think, you know, as none of us can speak from experience, but it must be a real buzz to to be selected amongst the top 20-odd players in your country. Of course. And listen, I, I, I appreciate it and I understand the pride that they must they must feel. Um I think Ange has said that what, what, what you're saying. I've also he- he- heard them joke the odd time about like as long as none of them come back injured, then it's been a good international break. Um, one of the things I was going to say there, just going back to the Starfelt thing, I'll get that audio up on the social media sites tonight. He, he he's beaming with pride about it, you know, and and I think it's a good thing. I, I spoke earlier on in the season about Starfelt when he came in, how um, he's maybe just not being a breadwinner as a footballer, you know, maybe just didn't have that mentality in him as of yet. And I think we're now starting to kind of see that. And games like this, if he, if they go and do well and, and they get through, and he might not start, but if he does and he's involved in that team, involved in that setup, and, and just continuing to improve that mentality, it's only a good thing for us. And I think the more trophies Starfelt wins, I think he just becomes a lot more confident. Um, so I think that's a, it's definitely a good good tournament, sorry, a good opportunity for him to go away and experience that culture as well as what he's got mm. here with, with us at Celtic. I also think, you know, the guys that are competing, Starfelt, Hattati and, you know, some others, they'll go there and hopefully for their sake they'll get the results they're looking for and they'll come back, you know, really buoyed by that. But the other side of it as well, it gives guys a chance, Paddy, you'd mentioned before, you know, whether it be, you know, Joe Hart and Bain will do a bit more work together, Eddie Gucci might work in his fitness, James McCarthy... James Forrest, who's not involved in the Scotland team. And if it also gives a chance for, for Ange to continue to work with these guys and for these guys just to, you know, recuperate ahead of what's going to be a really frantic, you know, final few weeks of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a wee change of scene for them after an intense period in, in the campaign. You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of football played in, in a short space of time. But it goes back to the point, Ange does seem to be good at making use of the time that he's got with the players on, on the training field and, you know, that that in itself is the whole reasons to why the team has done so well is because he's you know he's coached them into being a, a really efficient outfit. So no, it gives the players that are on international duty confidence, but the players that are left behind will be working on things that gives Ange a bit of extra time with them. So no, it's it's, it's fine fine by me the break. I, I just we're in a good place. The players that have been called up for international duty, you know, the likes of Starfield and Hattati for Starfield getting recalled, Hattati getting called up um, and potentially making his debut. As far as Starfield's concerned, that would be justification for moving for me. Mm-hmm. He's moved, he's been sold the dream, 
but he's at, he's he's upheld his part of the bargain mm-hmm. being part of a very defence that's been meagre in terms of giving away goals and he's getting his reward for it. So how does that look? Again, thinking of even getting into next season, getting prepared for hopefully Champions League football, getting in more support because I think probably a centre-half would be an area where we need a bit of cover mm-hmm. or certainly to upgrade the, the, the cover that we've got available for yeah. us. So, you know, the mindset that that will have Starfelt in for the start of next season, great, and Hitati as well, then becoming full international. That I'm quite surprised somebody his talents hasn't already been in the the, the Japanese yeah. um, international team because to me he's just he's just an absolute standout player. Yeah. At 24 years of age as well, he's featured for Japan's under 21s, I think, and they've got a university team that he's played for. But this will be his first senior appearance. I think it's also very important just as we move on from international chat. But it's also very important for Celtic as a football club to point to potential new signings and say. You come here, you do your job, your country will recognise it. Jack Amak is the same if so Starfelt's done his job defensively, he gets the nod. Jack Amak scores goals, your country comes calling. So it shows that if you come to Celtic and perform, the rewards are there for you internationally. I think that's that's really important. Uh, aside from the, the guys that are away with the senior squad, you've also got, as I mentioned, Abada with the 21s. Matt O'Reilly going to Denmark 21s, which is interesting. Um, Stephen Welsh with Scotland Johnny Kenny with Ireland and I think uh, Toby Oluwayemi also with Ireland so good luck to all involved and hopefully they all come back safe and well um, moving on from the international chat and back to the, the Scottish Premiership Celtic now enter this break three points and 14 goals ahead with just seven games left to play we know for sure that two of these seven games will be Rangers at Ibrox when we get back so that's Sunday 3rd of April and then St Johnson at Celtic Park on Saturday the 9th of April if on that basis, how do you think we should now approach this one, Ibrox? And can you see Ange making any wholesale changes? Yeah, I think we just approach it the way we, we always approach it. What will the game at Ibrox will hinge more on how Rangers approach it than us? I think they'll either come out and go toe to toe, which their fans will demand, and I think is most likely going to happen. So for me, the game will be make or break first twenty minutes. I think whoever scores first will win the game. Is my own thought on that, and I think it'll be Celtic. Well, I'm saying that now. Hopefully, everybody comes back for, for internationals. St Johnson been struggling a wee bit though they started scoring again Calum Henry started scoring a few goals and they're, they're, they're kind of bouncing back up heard Steve McLean couldn't stand him when he played nah, Steve could not stand him for a yellow card oh, he? couldn't stand him against um, us but I've seen him saying that it's almost like they've been trying to convince the, the players that they're a good team again after the, the hellish run that they were on so St Johnson's always a, always a tough game I'm just I think mindset I think the mindset's pretty clear within the, the squad it's not going to change now. We'll go, we'll play our football. And I think Angie's actually quoted as saying that. We'll go, we'll play our football and, and we win, lose or draw. It's just that simple. As long as he gets the type of football that he wants. And it, there was a bit of, can I remember, if it was after the Hibs game, there was a bit of disquiet at the fact that he said that I thought we played our football and he seemed quite content at that. Everybody was just up in arms. It was a 0-0 draw, so it's not acceptable. But it's just a... a an inkling into how the manager's mindset is that if he sees the team playing their football then he'll be happy so if he's imposing that will on the team and they're going to go to Ibrox and they've got it fixed in their head that they're going to go there and play their football then I think we as fans just need to be, be happy with that and, and, and be happy to support the team and see what we get Yeah, Paddy, I mean I've, I've asked Miff the question there how do you think Angel approach it? We kind of know, don't we? He's not going to change anything that he's done all season and whether it's Rangers away, Dundee at home whoever else, you know, away in Europe, he takes the same approach and I suppose that simplifies it from a playing point of view. You know your, you know your role in the team, you know what you've got to do and he'll just set them up as best he can. He'll have some calls to make in terms of personnel but I wouldn't expect any great changes to what he does. No, um, I agree with uh, with Miff and what he was saying about obviously Angie's comments after the Hibs game. I was kind of the impression that he was maybe just being kind of cute with the press. 
you know, taking the pressure off the players, trying to anyway, and then having his own words with him at training or whatever. But I generally actually think he he would be happy with the performance now, just kind of the way he's he's laid the foundations of how his game plan wants to be to, to be um, like acted out from this team. And I think that as long as they are ticking that box, um, I've heard them like a few interviews recently. One of the things he had mentioned about was basically like go and enjoy the game of football, you know, go and enjoy it, um, come off the park, whether whether it's win, lose or draw. I think it was something that Puskas has passed on to him, whether it's win, lose or draw, come away from it just knowing you've enjoyed your game of football. Mm. And there's maybe that element of his his view of the game and, and, and you know, what he's taking from it that, that that surely settles a footballer and lets them go and enjoy their yeah. game. And, you know, I, I totally get how important it is for us as fans and as players, that's what they're paid to do. But if you're taking the pressure, and it is a big pressure, pressurised game, if you're taking that pressure off them, they're a very, very good football team. And I think they, they do have enough to go and, and blow Rangers away like they did um, at the beginning of February. I, I clocked that, you know, I was there at that chat about Ferenc Puskas. So basically Angie's saying that, you know, winning's a byproduct. If you play in this certain way, play in this style, winning will come, you know, by default. So, you know, play in the right way first. Mm-hmm. And I think Puskas said something very interesting that he said, listen, I've lost a World Cup final. It's cool. There's more football around the corner. Yeah. And he had a very interesting way of taking the pressure off his players when he was addressing them. And I think Ange tries to do the same. He basically says, do what I'm telling you, play in my way, and you'll get the results and you'll get the rewards. Aye, simple. And we're seeing that acted out. Um, and it's up to us as fans to, to support that, you know, to get to get behind that. Because let's not forget, we, we went to Ibrox last year, Scottish Cup, it was a 4 0. We, we get pummeled, was that the league game? No, yeah, you're right. 4 0. 4 0. Four four one. Oh. I've done that whole men in black thing for last season and just. But Aye. you know Aye. that's you need to remember though that's that's where he was starting from. I know. That's I know. where he was starting from. Huge. So no, I, I mean it's he's he's completely turned it around for us, and we're now going here. You know we're, we're fairly bullish about how we think Celtic are going to do, it, and that is as a result of the mentality he's instilled within the whole club, not just the players, but also the fans. Yeah. Would you accept a draw just now? I think I think you accept a draw in the sense that that. Limits the damage and plus the goal difference means that you're is it de facto an extra point. So accept a drop, probably yes. But listen, we just go and take our chances. I'm not. A, I don't want to try and get into that mindset of being overly negative. I know I was a wee bit. I wouldn't say fearful, but I was very very cautious when we originally played Rangers. And I think what Rangers have shown, they, they've got their their own sort of tactics set up for they're playing the Europa League and things like that. But I think them coming out and going for us is probably the best thing we can get because it's going to give us more opportunities to exploit so interesting it's a really really interesting game and also interesting to see how Van Brockhurst approaches it for Rangers point of view because we are only going to play one way yeah would you take the drop Addy? no I think we need to go and win I'm the same I just thought it'd be interesting to put you lads on the spot. I'm sorry, I think I've done that a couple of times. A few afternoon. times, tonight, and I apologise, but I think I've maybe overestimated you. I think you're getting carried away with this light that's shining down on me as if so you're <laughs> interrogating me. In the spotlight. Um, we've mentioned that Kyogo's, you know, touch wood, all going well, nearing a return to fitness. David Turnbull made his comeback on Saturday, and that in itself, you know, is a good thing. Put out a question on Twitter, kind of casually on Friday night, just saying, you know, how much of an impact do we think Turnbull's return is going to have? I was blown away by some of the negative responses on David Turnbull. Really surprised, actually. Now, there's some mixed opinion. There was some nonsense opinions, you know, about how, you know, how much some fans don't rate him. I think it's only a good thing that a guy like David Turnbull comes back in and offers that competition we spoke of to guys like Hatati or Riley Rodgers. Whether he's your top man or not, Ange clearly rates him, and that'll do for me to a huge extent. But I think having guys like him back 
can only be a good thing, you know, in terms of pushing other guys around them. Certainly Kyogo as well. We've talked about the impact these players being back available while well, maybe having the front three we've debated Kyogo and where he may or may not fit in. What about the attacking midfielders? So if you're taking it as read that McGregor will sit in the six, who's your two ahead? You know, is it Hatati and Rogic? Is it Hatati O'Reilly? Does Turnbull maybe get a nod for you, Miff? Are you mixed on that? Probably not just now because again I think much like I'd said with Kyogo he'll, he'll need to be, be kind of gently brought back into the team but I think Andrew was actually quoted as saying as how big a deal it was having Turnbull back based on the impact it had on the team earlier in the season so of the, all the opinions in, in football as many footballers will tell you the only one that really matters is your managers because yeah, they'll, they'll either pick you or they won't listen last season Turnbull was a shining light and it was a very very dismal season it's, it, football fans are so fickle so fickle and they, for, they, they often forget things that the players have done he's been out the team for a while it's up to him to come back and, and show us what he's made of and, and, and potentially you know he's somebody that suffered for a serious injury before he was getting used to a new training regime it was asking a lot of him he was playing a lot of minutes maybe having the wee rest and being away from it and seeing the team do well in his absence will we'll bring him back even more motivated mm. to do well so I've, I've no worries about David Turnbull I think technically he's an excellent player it's just I would like to see him being a, take a few more risks in the yeah. final third. I mm. think he plays it very safe too often. Is that, yeah. is that maybe the injury though in the back of his mind? Not wanting to take the risks, not wanting to take the challenge potentially. Potentially. You know? And I think with someone like Turnbull, you maybe give, if we get this full uh, summer that we've, I've, I've spoke about, that could be very important for someone like Turnbull to kind of just get up to speed with the rest of the team again because I think injury definitely has hampered everything for him at Celtic um, I've been critical of him but I do then take a wee step back and think about how young he is as a player and yeah injuries like that they don't you don't just come back for him straight away so, some guys don't come back from him at all no so exactly real, real credit to his, his character I think he's something like 22 years of age and he's not the funny see if he's 27, 28 and you're talking about it you're going yeah maybe you know maybe he's hit his ceiling I think there's there's so much potential in David Turnbull the challenge is now over to him and clearly rates him he'll clearly give him opportunities to show and it's over to David Turnbull to, to show what he can do. He's a real threat from the edge of the box, which we've not had as well. You know, he's he's good for, a, I think he's Celtic's fourth top scorer just now. He's got something like nine goals. So he also chips in with some really important goals. Yes, and, and I think it's also a feature of Angie's, Angie's management of the squad, the squad that he inherited, is that if you look at the likes of Turnbull, Ralston, Beaton, Taylor, if Ralston, Beaton, Taylor had been sold in the summer, or even, maybe even in January, I don't know, maybe less so Ralston. People wouldn't have batting an eyelid if, if they had all gone. But he's kept them in the squad and he's, he seems to have got a higher level of performance out each of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Turnbull, as far as I'm concerned, if he benefits for that, I think Turnbull's been, been had a, a fairly decent season so far. But if he continues to progress under Ange the same way as the rest of the guys have, then, you know, that's just going to be exciting for us. Like you mentioned, he's only 22 Absolutely, he's got his best years ahead of him. Yeah, and just a last question in terms of that team selection for, for Ibrox Paddy. Uh, Matthew, you mentioned him briefly there, Tony Ralston. Does he get the nod ahead of Juranovic for that game? Physicality, you know, Brian Kent will be the option probably up against him. Do you, nah, do you sway on that? Juranovic for myself, just on the basis of the, the, the last game at uh, Celtic Park, he had him in his back pocket for me. I'd, I'd go with Juranovic on that one. Yourself, Muff? Juranovic for me I think so as well but I wouldn't be upset if Tony no, Ralston no, gets the no, nod for any given reason true. so great problems to have and we'll see how that plays out the last uh, kind of key talking point before we wrap up the the episode in general here is the the fan base you know the, the, this ongoing debate as we know about you know Glasgow Derby away fans allowed not allowed uh, obviously it was a full Celtic part full of Celtic fans last time 
I would say that was a huge advantage. It was a pretty special night, you know, brilliant experience, brilliant result. The breaking news at the moment that's just come in is that there will be away fans allowed, but again, back to only 700. So for, for me, I think Celtic should take the, you know, 7,000 or none at all. I think it's, you know, it's, it's really diluted this fixture. It's become very, very strange and it's a strange atmosphere for those 700 fans who are lucky enough to get a ticket to go into. But what do you think of that, Paddy? And, and do you think the 700 will be able to make much of an impact positively I, on the day? Um, they'll sit they'll be heard, Absolutely. I think it's probably just the T's and C's of the current season ticket holders that are in that area at the moment, that it's not something that they can really take a ticket off them for. You look at the options that are part of our renewal forms for the area that uh, used to be frequented by them, it would give you the option. You would be told that you're not going to get those tickets as part of your book. And I think because there's season ticket holders in place there at the moment, that's why they can't go back or even go near what the, the likes of Dortmund are given now. Obviously, Dortmund are given a lot more. I'd imagine that's something that was part of their T's and C's, um, but it's it's definitely not been for our game. If it's the 700 that's getting spoke about that's been confirmed, then that's the beginning of building bridges. And I'd imagine you'd probably see, you'd like to think that they would eventually sit around the table and try and thrash it out. Because as as great as February was at the beginning of February, um, for me, it's a fixture that relies on that being a spectacle and having those fans in, in each of the stadiums um, because you love nothing more than rubbing it in their faces when you go 5 nothing up or 5-1 up at Ibrox so I'd love to bring it back Yeah, I mean, I totally agree Paddy and if the Glasgow Derby is uh, Scottish football's biggest export has been for, you know, since day dot it's the biggest fixture we've got and it's the biggest marketing tool we've got as well as you, you know, export the game and you know, obviously there's more interest just now from Australia notably and, and across Europe and people are taking notice again, you know, Scottish football is in a pretty decent place and you've talked about the standard which seems to be a wee bit better in general just now but to fully restore it, you know, to what it was, as Paddy says, we've got to get, you know, the big crowds in at Celtic Park and Ibrox and you'd like to think that the powers that be and I know Rangers started and all that stuff, Celtic or somebody need to, you know, take the first step in trying to resolve this and you'd hope that maybe now you know if it's maybe you know not already taking place that very soon you know some of the the people in power will make some calls to try and restore it to what it was yeah absolutely and it, again it's a very Scottish football thing to do is to shoot yourself in the foot with your, yeah. your best kind of marketable export so yeah to me just really really overtly petty the whole thing the, the atmosphere of the game is the, the most crucial thing most crucial part of it on the day, and like Paddy says, when when you go into the stadium and you know both sets of fans are jawing it out, whether it's Ibrox or um, Celtic Park, it's, it's it's amazing. So no, you you want that back. The fixture was special for that reason, and limiting the amount of away fans to a negligible amount, I don't I don't think whilst it's a an appropriate short term solution because of the, the reasons that, that Paddy says. I, 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 I guess by the no, no, I, I, but I, I would think I think that I'm would be fair. I, I would think that would be fair enough um, to assume uh, then. As, as long as that is part of going back to the, the previous allocations, then I'm fine with that. I mean, just speaking for myself personally, I'm in the old Rangers end and I take a ticket that doesn't include the, the Rangers games. <laughs> but I, I, I know that, you know, I, I know that when I sign up, I, I do that. Yeah. Just try to kind of keep the wee man away from the madness for long enough. But I that's him, he's, he's, he's in there. So. Yeah, I mean, good luck to the 700 that go in. You know, as you say, Paddy, they'll be heard and hopefully, you know, they'll give some comfort to the players and, you know, roar them on uh, on the 3rd of April. But hoping that moving forward as well, we can get get that fixture back to what it really should be. You know, and I think most neutrals would be, you know, keen to see that. February was a pretty special one, but happy enough to take that as a one-off. 
and hopefully we can find that resolve moving forward. Muff, as we start to wrap things up for the week, uh, and I'll let you go and enjoy your international break soon, but yep. what's your final thoughts at the moment? Just, I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling quite content. It's been good to watch, which is just as important as the win. I know this stage of the season, you're mainly bothered about getting the three points, but it's, it's also been good to watch as well. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy, and I'm, I'm actually really, really happy for Maeda to be amongst the goals and, you know, the beach linking up with Jacques Marcus. I think he got a bit of a rough ride. Seen a lot of fairly dismissive and derogatory comments about him on social media, which I thought were pretty out of order. Coming from Celtic fans, by the way. I'm just glad that he's, he's contributing. And you can tell he's valued within the within the squad. I think that getting back a few weeks ago to Taylor's comments as well, all these things help build that bit of continuity and spirit in the squad. So very, very happy where, where we're at at the moment. And I'm absolutely buzzing for an international break. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, and yourself, Paddy, what's your closing comments for the week? Yeah, just I think 31 games... Uh, domestically unbeaten is just in- incredible for me when you kind of look at the the almost I wouldn't say entire lull um, of form but just the way we, we kind of stepped off the gas a wee bit in some of the games in February um, but then from the game against Livingston it's just been really really good to watch how focused we've been and I you're going with Maeda I'll give Gigi a big shout out I just think form from this type of player and someone that's just finding himself in the right positions is great I seen someone the other night actually was in a bit of a tap with him comparing him to Bio and who was that a ridiculous comment comparing yeah. Jack Amakis with Bio to Bio aye so um, I think he's ate his humble pie with that one as well to be fair to him but oh it's um, we need to be all on um, all in all supporting all of our players for the running the running here and you know to Homely cat tricks in a row. I can't remember Bio doing that. No, no. <laughs> certainly right. He's definitely doing something no. right. So, with a host of first team players now off on international duty, and we'll just be hoping that they all make their way back to Lennox Town in one piece next week ahead of that crucial league game at Ibrox. I won't decide the title either way, but if Celtic come out the other side with their unbeaten record intact, then they'll be firmly in the driving seat with just six games remaining. Thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me today and thanks to you for continuing to follow and support the Celtic Exchange. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a favour and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, please share this episode far and wide with your Celtic supporting pals. These small things make a big difference to what we do. But in the meantime, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Network.